Audacity. Audacity. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for sticking around. <laughs> I'm going to figure this thing out. You heard me. <laughs> but listen, we got off to a short, little late start, 15 minutes, 14 minutes late. Um, but I want to welcome Ambrio Lastly, the homeschooling expert of the evening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm an expert, but... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't put that on you. You're the expert now. <laughs> How you doing today? I am well. How are you? I am fantastic, fantabuloso. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So uh, we just gonna get right into it. And I also, I noticed that you you're a vegan too. So you're homeschooling vegan. I am. That's a lot. I know. They're going to send somebody after you. <laughs> <Just play. laughs> so um, speaking of that, so your, your blackmamavegan.com. So do uh, you give out recipes? Do you cook? Or be, what, do, what do you got going on right there with that? Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, run that back what you just said. I had to do my switch. Oh, okay, to your phone? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I'm good. Because you kind of frozen on my... Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, so I was talking about, um, before we get into the school and stuff, I see that uh, that you have a website, uh, blackmamavegan.com. Yes. What's going on with that? Uh, so, I don't even know. I don't... <laughs> Is that a site? <laughs> no, it's a site. So, um, about a year after I became vegan um i was getting fielded with so many questions about like what do you do where do you go where do you shop how do you do this and so i started that website um and just i wrote a couple of blogs and just talked about you know some different recipes that i was kind of experimenting with um and so now it has grown to where i have a few products that i offer um, one of the most recent things that i'm super proud of is my ebook Mm. So my ebook is called What's for Dinner. And so it's got a few simple recipes in there to kind of walk people through um, how to make plant-based stuff. Um, it can be very simple, very easy um, ingredients. So I have that and I have a couple other things on there. I have a wellness blend on there that I love. Um, this kind of a replacer for coffee. And then um, my essential oil blends that I wear been wearing on myself and people have been like can i buy it and so now it's on there so black mama vegan is mostly about education but i have added a few products okay cool speaking of that tell mm -hmm. me how important is the diet of a child during their develop development days uh mentally intellectually and uh, and i mean even physically Yes, so for sure. So by trade, like my schooling education, I'm a lactation consultant. Mm -hmm. So I always try to speak from the um, that point of view. The The most optimal nutrition a baby can receive is breast milk from their mother. Mm -hmm. It is specifically made for them. Um, something that I don't think people realize is that with each pregnancy, your breast milk um, is specific to that baby. So it's not as though it's, you know, all the same. Um, if you have a singleton and then you have twins or if you have, uh, you know, every pregnancy is different and breast milk is specifically, specifically for that baby. So optimal nutrition starts at birth. Um, and when that baby is born, um, because, um, when you're feeding your body, 
the things that it um, was designed to take in to grow it appropriately, mm -hmm. then we don't run into a lot of these issues that we see as far as um, immune and autoimmune and other chronic diseases and um, later on in life. So it is, um, it's imperative to do that from the start, but even after that, introducing um, whole foods into the diet, um, I mean, it just affects your brain power. If you're eating a lot of fried foods and sugar and, you know, food dyes, you're going to feel sluggish. Um, you're going to have just a lot of other things going on mentally. If it's all of that put together because your body is just overwhelmed trying to process everything. And that's going to fall into the baby too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. When I was deep into my Dr. Sebi diet, I, I learned mm -hmm. about like red kale and, and different plants that had color to it and how mm -hmm. some of that affects the, the, the brain. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it affects it in a positive manner. For instance, red kale does something to the brain to where it helps you study better. It helps you retain the information better. And um, the reason why I asked about the, the diet is because, uh, I, and I wish I knew the title of this book uh, and the, 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 the woman that I want to speak of, but it was a book, um, something about the 10 most, the 10 best people in civilization or something like that. And there was a woman that was a teacher and over in Germany, this was during uh, Hitler's rule. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a, there was some, there was a set of children that were deemed um, lower than like, they, they were lower than learning disabled mm -hmm. according to the school system. They was okay. like, they, we just can't teach these kids. They're going to, you know, they, they were basically throwing the kids away. And mm -hmm. so this teacher stepped in and she's like, let me take them and teach them my way through my right. methods and so the two things that that she changed that stood out to me were there were almost the top two things that she changed and one was the diet um where a lot of kids especially in the inner city they're not really eating you know due to whatever dysfunctional environment or whatever disenfranchisement whatever's going on at home they're not really eating uh like really nutritious meals. It's like, like a lot of processed fast food and just junk freezer food and, you know, mm -hmm. gas station food, stuff like that. And so when they get to school, then they're feeding them French toast sticks, uh, chocolate milk, like a bunch of high fructose corn syrup and just a bunch of processed foods and sugars. Mm -hmm. And so she started with the diet. She was like, she, she started with giving them, like you said, whole foods, uh, nutritional foods that really your body really it, they're absorbing all of the the nutrients that really come with this food and then the second thing was after they ate she allowed them to have like an hour and some change worth of recess to burn off all that excess energy because mm -hmm. kids naturally have a bunch of energy absolutely so when you have a bunch of energy already then you compound like sugar you just like yes and so when she let them burn it off, then when they got into the classroom, they were able to sit still and actually uh, consume what information that she was providing them. And so they end up being at a higher level uh, in academia than the people that were already su supposedly intellectually superior. Which is amazing. Yeah. And I spent time in the school systems here in Georgia. Uh, so I was a substitute teacher for a little bit in Indianapolis, Indiana, for a short, short, short time. 
<laughs> when I came to Georgia, I was uh, at one point in time, I was a, a, a contractor for Dell Computers. And we would go into the school systems, the inner city school systems, Fulton County, Cobb County, uh, you name it, and install these computers. And I saw a night and day difference in the inner city schools versus suburban schools. Like the mm -hmm. inner city schools, they're feeding them, again, French toast sticks, just a cup of syrup. Um, you got chocolate milk. You got all this bull crap. And then you got the vending machines with all the sniggity snick snacks. Uh, all the fructose corn syrup but then when you come up north uh where you know people have more 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 money uh mm -hmm. there's vitamin water there's regular water there's salads there's as a matter of fact the rule for this particular school that i'm talking about there was no processed foods to be vendored sold yeah. passed out at all even the teachers couldn't really give that type of stuff mm-hmm yeah, it makes a huge difference. Um, just in kind of like what you were saying, um, the high fructose corn syrup, and and even like I talk about one of my big things too is food dyes. Yeah. Um, it's food dyes. It's you know a lot of these companies they specifically market to children on purpose yeah. because yeah. once you become a customer when you're a child you tend to keep buying that product, and so if you ask a lot of adults, you know. Why do you use certain things? And it's, well, I've always done it, right? Because when you were six, seven, and eight, and you went into the stores, they purposely colored things. They purposely put certain things in a certain way to make you want to buy it. Um, and then all the stuff that they put in it keeps you addicted. It triggers in your brain, you know, this great feeling. And now you just want to keep having that feeling over and over and over again. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's important that, uh, you know, we just start seeking information. So tell me this in regard to uh, homeschooling. What are some of the biggest challenges that you face as a homeschooler? Like when I first started or just overall currently? Well, yeah, when you first started. And, and I'm talking about obstacles that you weren't aware of. Like we can, you know, there's always going to be some type of obstacles with anything you do, especially when it's something outside of the quote unquote norm. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm talking unforeseen obstacles that you know when you're going into you be like all right i got this i got this I got yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think the biggest thing um one is just living in indianapolis there isn't a um a very large black homeschool community so that was a challenge um because when you go to venture out to do that, having community and other people that are doing some of the same things that you're doing is very helpful. Exactly. Um, I fortunately had a very good friend who helped me transition into homeschooling, but not everybody has that. So that was a challenge. And then too, I would say the biggest challenge is I, it was changing the mindset of being in school because I went through public school. So that's all I know is, right, you go to school, you're at school for eight hours, like you're supposed to do all of these different things. And when you homeschool, depending on the type of homeschooling you want to do, you have to change the mindset of what teaching and learning looks like because you are now home with your kids all day and you actually have to learn them and learn how they learn. And when they're in school, you don't always, you don't really get that chance to see them interact on all day and how they handle certain aspects of school, how they handle reading. Do they actually interpret what they're doing? Um, so the biggest challenge I think was just not really understanding how to manage 
how to homeschool them because I had to relearn. It's almost like relearning your child. I had to relearn who they were as a student um, in order to help them um, move forward in the strengths that I now know that they have. So that's way different. And I would even say, I would even step out and say, that's those two steps right there are far better than any institution that I've ever been in. And I say that because when you go to these institutions, you're basically given a template mm-hmm. and everybody's forced to, to study in this template and socially and culturally people learn differently. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you don't learn how this template tells you to learn, then you're, they're typically going to throw you in the, uh, the learner dis- disabled group or, you know, reprimand you and do all these other things. When um, I, got, I got a cousin who, when she was younger, she was dyslexic mm-hmm. and she just could not get it right. And be, it, it took them a while before they figured out that she was dyslexic. But mm-hmm. prior to that, she was just getting like bad grades. Like they was like, oh, something's wrong with her. She, mm-hmm. But as homeschooling, you get to get that attention that you need. Absolutely. And there's no like, um, like you get the whole day to do this. So you're not stuck. So it's, it's, it's almost, it just, as an, as an adult, it just looks like you're just on this manufacturing line. Absolutely. And you're in the schools. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you have to, especially for our black children, especially for our black boys, um, kind of like what you were saying, kids have energy, boys have lots of energy. And sometimes that's seen as, oh, they have ADHD. They are very quick to prescribe something or diagnose you with something. And it's like, no, they just, they need time to have energy. And when you're in school, you get 30 minutes for recess, you got popped back in and then you're expected to sit down. And it's like 30 minutes isn't enough. (laughs) It's not enough. And, you know, and again, when you are transitioning from your brain of this is what school looked like to homeschool, it's, it's kind of difficult. You almost question yourself like, man, like, should I let them play for two hours today? Because in school they didn't get to play for two hours, Mm -hmm. but it's like, once you realize like, no, they're learning while they're playing and they're learning all these different skills. You don't have to, you don't have to conform to that. It's just, yeah. So speaking of that, um, they're playing and learning. Mm-hmm. How would you say, so here's one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear whenever I tell somebody that if I do have kids, I'm interested in homeschooling. The, mm-hmm. There's two top things that, that people spew out of their mouths without it, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. They say, I wouldn't do that because I wouldn't be able to socialize my kid. They would, <laughs> they would be weird. And then they'll say, I can't afford that. And so to my rebuttal to both of those is, how do you know? Have you actually sat in on a homeschooling, a cooperative or have, because that's a miss, that's not, that's not true. It's not true. And I was just having this conversation with someone recently because that is that socialization thing. The amount of times that I get that when I tell people that I homeschool and I'm like, that's just to me. If, if for some reason a, ch- a child isn't socialized or they seem socially awkward, that's the parent's responsibility mm-hmm. because they literally kept them at home and you literally didn't go out places. Um, but homeschooling, 
is is meant to be a lifestyle so you learn everywhere you go it's not just doing a worksheet or sitting in front of a computer or reading this book and having to write an essay about it not saying those things are bad but when you're actually trying to get the most out of homeschooling you socialize every time you leave the house when you go to the grocery store, you know, my seven-year-olds know how to talk to adults. They know how to ask for, you know, ask for things. They know how to advocate for themselves because they get practice every time we go out. We go to the park. We go to the children's museums. We are in a co-op now. We um, take trips. We, it's, it's about the effort that you put in to get your kids in different spaces um, for, them to, to, for them to interact with a wide variety of people, not just seven-year-olds all day. They get to interact with people who are 40, who are 50, who are 10, who are 13, and they're learning how they need to kind of maneuver in those different situations. So in a way, they are getting more um, life skills by being able to kind of switch and, and know how to interact with all these different ages of people. And that's interesting that you, that you, that you frame it like that, because when you think of anything that you want to get good at, anything that you want to be supreme, superior, whatever, mm -hmm. you go and you intermingle with those that are far superior than you. Exactly. So if, if the goal is to um, optimize the, the level of intelligence of a child progressively, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be in my mind to sit them in a stagnant, uh, room and I mean a static room that's not you just can I never like that baby talk like whenever I was with my oh. niece and nephews I would do a little bit of it I'd be like hey you know I'm trying to talk regular but yeah, yeah. now you did speak of uh co-ops and I'm mm -hmm. familiar with them but explain mm -hmm. to the audience what a homeschooling cooperative is Sure. So cooperative learning is basically um, a situation where parents are directly involved in the education of their child. So I'll even rewind back a little bit. When my boys um, did preschool, they did a co-op preschool. And so what that involved was me um, signing up for maybe one or two days in a month where I came in and I was kind of like a supervisor. I didn't actually teach anything, but I just kind of helped supervise and kind of mediate with the other kids. Um, and, but the kids kind of, the kids kind of led their day. They, they, they got to decide if they wanted to go into the quiet room or the busy room. They kind of got to do, you know, move how they want it. And it's kind of the same concept now that they're older in a homeschool co-op is that it's, it's child led and driven. So a lot of the, the subjects or, or things that we may cover come from the ideas of the kids. What do they want to do? Um, and the parents are there to help mediate and facilitate. Um, at times we may teach a subject. So if we feel strongly about something um, or we feel like we're an expert in an area, we may teach that lesson. Um, like for instance, March was um, National Nutrition Month. It's also National Women's History Month, but National Nutrition Month, I taught the lessons for March um, because I felt like that was kind of my expert area. And so I was able to involve the kids and get them involved in learning about nutrition and different aspects of it and all of that. Um, we also take trips together. So in your co-op, um, you can take, you take field trips together, you learn about um, different things. Ours is very black centered. So we learn about African American history and we go to where the culture is. So it just depends on the type of co-op that you're involved in. Um, you want to make sure that you're lining up with something that um, is consistent kind of with your values and where you see your children growing.
So scholastically, have mm-hmm. you noticed the difference? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, my, it's so interesting that when I have let them lead their learning, how much more they retain information. Um, because a lot of times in public school, um, you're just taking in information to spit it back out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're retaining it for a moment just to spit it back out. But a lot of the things that my kids are learning, they're learning it because they're very interested in it and they want to learn it. And then they're able to explain it to me in a way, in their own words. Um, and they're able to kind of maneuver within grade level or, or, um, um, they're able to maneuver themselves between, um, difficulty. Um, you know, my, uh, what my oldest son that's, um, he's nine, you know, he can read at a sixth grade level, um, and he can comprehend pretty much at a sixth grade level because he, he's kind of taught himself some different things. And we have open conversations about, what certain words mean, or just in our conversation period, that sticks in his brain. So then when he goes to read a book or do something, he'll go, oh man, we talked about that. And he's able to make the connection. So scholastically, they are just really taking in information and then retaining it for themselves and then using it as they need to. Now, do you do year-round homeschooling or you just stick with uh, the school year as it pertains to uh, public school system? Like I was saying, learning happens all day, every day. So um, do we take breaks? Sure. But we're always learning. Like when they're in the kitchen with me and I'm cooking or baking, like they're learning how to measure. They're learning how to read fractions. Like, so it, there's never really a time where there's a break. I just try, it's like a, it's, they don't, they're learning and they don't realize they're learning because it's so much fun. <laughs> so it's like, technically it's a break if we're not doing anything super official, but they're always learning. So, yeah. So, oh man, I just had a brain fart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a good question too. Uh, so have you ever dealt with, um, well, I mean, you know, your kids, uh, but in the cooperative, have you ever dealt with a, a child that, that seems unmanageable, like maybe too hyper or all over the place? Uh, and, and if so, how give the parents some tips, because I know some 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 parents that that struggle from time to time with uh, keeping their children focused mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, staying along, staying in court. And, and, and they're not homeschoolers, per se, but they're at this particular time in life. Uh, you know, they're doing the web schooling. They're schooling at home. But, they're schooling at home. Right. But yeah, so you have to do some level of homeschooling in that. Yeah. Even if you're streaming live with the teacher. For sure. Um, so it's so I just had this conversation with somebody last week. <laughs> One of the things I would say is to um, sit down with your child and just say, OK, these are the things that you're supposed to get done, right? You're supposed to hop on Zoom on these days or you're you're supposed to do this work. Involve them in what their schedule will look like. So don't just say, okay, you need to sit down and do this, you know, before it's time. Just say, okay, this is what you need to get done today. What does that look like to you? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like maybe we could do some of it in the morning? Let's take a 
you know, a break in the afternoon, you finish it up in the evening. Does it look like you don't start till your day until 11 o'clock? Maybe you just need time to kind of get up and just kind of take your time. I feel like that's really important. Um, and again, because when kids are in school, their little brains have to constantly be on. They're constantly turning. They're always interacting with all these other kids. Then they've got this, you know, author uh, their, their authority, their teacher. And then they have specials and they're interacting with five or six other teachers. And so their brains are constantly having to interact. And so now that it doesn't, I feel like people... Mm, um, may think like, oh my gosh, you know, these kids are just out of control. And it's like, no, they've been so locked in to having to do all this stuff yeah. um, in yeah. a certain way that now they have freedom and they're not really sure what to do with it. So kind of let them have that freedom. They need a little bit of a brain break, but let's sit down and say, okay, these are the things that you have to get done. And, um, it, and in order to get these things done or in order for you to have your free time in the evening, let's figure out a schedule that can work for everybody. Um, and even me being a primary homeschooler, I still do that. Cause there are some things that I don't negotiate on. You got to learn how to type. Like that's just a given. I'm not negotiating that with you. You're going to have to read every day. Reading is knowledge that you take in. I'm not negotiating that with you. What does that look like though? Do you want to get up and go outside and shoot, shoot around and play basketball or climb around on the deck for an hour first? I'm cool with that. And then when you come back in, get a snack and then start your day. So I think when you are able to involve the kids in their schedule, it kind of gives them some ownership. Um, and they know that, okay, I got to get this done because if I don't get it done, then mom already told me that I can't hop on the Xbox or I can't play Minecraft or I can't do this. Um, or, and, and just how do I organize the day? I think that's really key um, for kids to take a little bit of ownership in it. Yeah. That, that that's teaching uh responsibility and accountability and so accountability something that grown grown people still don't know they sh yes speaking of speaking towards uh the book topic what are what are your views on um homes that that have a gazillion television no, and no books so how do you how do you view the the the, 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 the development of that mind <laughs> that's hard because you're teaching to me, this is my personal opinion. You're teaching them that technology is always the way to have an outlet. I think technology has a time and a place. I think it's useful. I think it, I think it is good sometimes to just kind of watch a show that you like, but if that's your primary way of dealing with something or your primary way of spending your downtime, I think you lose out on the opportunity to learn something new to expand your voc your vocabulary, um, especially for kids, because they learn they they learn they can learn a lot and have the ability to learn and absorb um, if we give them the tools to do it. But if you're only giving them once one tool, and that's the television, um, it their their other parts of their brain and their development aren't being um, aren't being stimulated. Mm -hmm. So, um, in my house, we, we have two TVs and that's by accident. Um, we have one TV in our living room and the other is in our bedroom because we don't have anywhere else to put it. I mean, we could put it away, but we really don't watch TV in our bedroom. And so, and our TV in our living room only comes on typically, um, Friday nights. We have family fun night. Um,
Your audio went out. Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, you, I feel like you just limit, you just limit the ability for them to be stimulated and learn how to, to have other ways, um, to have downtime. Right. So I envision, uh, my family that I don't have right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I would love to have <clears throat> like nights where we discuss the books that we read. Yeah. That would help with a, a, a larger bonding tool mm-hmm. as well as you actually, it, it makes learning fun at that particular, at, at that moment, you know, it's not boring anymore because dad, what, what, what'd you learn? He'd be like, well, son, you know what I'm saying? I yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and another important aspect is reading aloud. You know, kids still, they like to be read to. So um, even my nine-year-old and the seven-year-old, like my husband has been telling them stories since they were babies before they could ever understand. And even now they're still like, daddy, can you come tell us the story about, you know, so like even getting a book that maybe they can't read themselves, but you reading aloud to them allows you to have that discussion, you know, about what did you think about that? Or, you know, did you learn a new word in that? It just brings out, like you were saying, that bonding time and that chance for them to be like, oh man, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's really neat. I never knew that. And in that bonding time, that creates, especially if you're going to be a homeschooling parent, yeah. that creates a bond to where there's a, a, there's a thicker level of respect between the two, the child mm-hmm. and the parent. So when the parent, once you build that bond, our parents say, all right, Joe, read this. And even if they don't want to, they're going to be like, oh, okay, mom, I don't really want to, but I'll do it. I'll you do know, it. Yeah. You know, opposed to having that do what I say. And they'd be like, I ain't doing it. And then now, you know, class is over because Rob got it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. So that, um, do you, do you constantly check the temperature of your children as far as what they want to be when they grow up? Like, are you constantly like just doing a checkup? Like, Hey, what you want to be? Uh, you said you wanted to do this. How are we going to do this? And I asked that because growing up, all I heard was you can do whatever it is that you want to do in your life. Mm-hmm. The sky's the limit. That was like mm-hmm. a generic blanket statement from almost every adult that I came in contact with. Mm-hmm. But by saying that nobody ever gave me any blueprints to, mm-hmm. Hey, this is what this is what you can do. Do this. and so what I like to do, or what I used to do whenever I'm around children. I'm so what you want to do when you grow up, and then whatever they say, I say, okay. So what steps are you taking to acquire that to obtain that goal? Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of I, 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 when I look at a lot of my peers that are parents, they it's almost like the steering wheel is right here for the child, mm-hmm. but they're in the passenger seat. Yeah. And the child is doing the driving. And I'm like, what's happening here? Like, you have the controls right now. And once you get to a particular time in this child's life, you will no longer have the control. Everything is up to what he or she decides that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm not constantly checking their temperature on it. But I, what I try to do is observe what they um, tend to kind of gravitate towards. I will say. So if I have one of my boys really loves science, he likes learning about all 
like different concepts or um, he likes dogs. And so I was like, oh, well, did you know that you could volunteer at the Humane Society? He was like, no. So well, let's look into it. Um, and then did you know, you know, about the different careers? So kind of what you were saying is I, I gauge it and kind of see what they gravitate towards. And then I expose them and say, hey, do you know that a person does that for a living and it's called X? You want to look at that. You want to find some videos about what that, what that is. And then, um, and then I just kind of gauge their interest and see it. I'm not really, I'm kind of taking my time with it because I don't, I feel like sometimes if we ask that question too soon and too often, it, it just becomes a drag and they almost feel like they have to live up to, to, to something. Um, and they're not even sure what it is. Um, and so if you kind of give them time to explore lots of different things, but just, but, but engage it and just say, Oh, did you know this? And it, it just kind of puts a deposit in their brain. Like, Hmm, I didn't know that, but now I do. And if they want to revisit it, then let's engage it. Let's really get into it. But if it's kind of like, oh, okay, that was good to know. I didn't know that. Then you can leave it where it is versus well, you said you wanted to do this. Now we're going to do this because <laughs> it's just too much pressure. So what do what would you say that your children what do you know what they want to do at this particular juncture? So um, one of my boys, um, one of my twins, baby B is what I call him. Um, <laughs> baby B has said from the age of four that he wanted to be a baker. He oh. wants to bake, and that's what he wants to do. And he's seven, and he will go downstairs and bake donuts. And he wants to watch baking videos. And he wants so that's part of his homeschooling, right? So he knows how to, at seven, he knows how to search for recipes on my Pinterest. He knows how to read the ingredients. He knows what the ingredients are. He knows how to read fractions. He knows how to measure. He knows the measuring spoons. Okay. If you want to be a baker, that's, that's, that's kind of the direction you're moving and let's go with that. Um, so like I just use him as a prime example because he's kind of really taken on that. This is what I want to do. And he practices what he wants to do um, for the other ones. Like I said, my oldest son, um, he's really into science. He's just really, he just loves to learn information. So, but science is kind of his big thing. He wants to know how things work and all of that. So I just kind of let him watch science videos and watch science experiments and explain to me what it is that he learned. Um, and my baby A, um, my baby A has said he wants to be a police officer. He has said that since he was four. I have no, we don't have police officers in our family. I have no idea where it came from, but I've asked him and people have asked him on different occasions. And he says, I want to be a police officer. I want to help people. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's really good that they all have a sense of direction already, even though it may change, it may not change. But yeah. A lot of times when you ask kids what you want to be when you grow up and they'll say, I want to be an NFL player, NBA player. Mm -hmm. I want to be a rapper. Uh, I remember at one point, um, oh man, she probably gonna get mad at me for telling this. <laughs> I was over at my cousin's house and uh, she was playing BET. It was like music videos and the, the, little, the little daughter was watching it. And just, out, I wasn't paying it. I think I had just come into the house or something. I don't know, but. Uh, the little girl was watching and she's like, mommy, I want to be a, a I want to be one of those when I grew up. And it was a, a dancer. It was a BT, one of those booty shaking dancers. And the mom got upset and was like, don't you ever let me hear you say that again. And, and in my mind, I'm like, but this is what she's being fed. Mm -hmm. 
So if you constantly keep your child in the TV looking at athletes, looking at entertainers, mm-hmm. it's glossy. It's it's so shimmery and it's so mm-hmm. it's up. You know, it's 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 such a big deal. So yeah, naturally, that's what you're gonna wanna wanna aspire to. Instead of a scientist, a, a lawyer, a, a engineer, or or a developer, and things like that. And those are the things that's really gonna take you over the the edge because even you can be all of those and still be an entertainer you can do whatever it is that you want to do but focus on something that's that's solid you know absolutely absolutely and that's and that and that takes me back to the whole tv thing if that's all you're watching and seeing then that's what your reality becomes so whatever you're exposed to the most and like you were saying whatever you're fed the most that becomes your reality So when you're fed, you know, science um, or reading or playing outdoors and learning about, you know, the earth and learning about like that starts to become your reality versus like some of the other artificial things that we see on television that are made up or that aren't true um, to, to our reality. So tell me what what. What was it in you that made you take the decision, make the decision to say, you know what, I want to start homeschooling my children? Oh, man, I want to keep it brief. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, you know, so I have four children. Um, My daughter is older. um, And so it wasn't really a thought with her. I was in a different situation. place in life with her and for her school worked and it worked well. Um, but then in this, in this, you know, kind of climate that we've kind of evolved in and raising three black boys, um, I just felt that I needed to do something different for them. I wanted, I wanted them to be comfortable with, with who they were. I wanted to, for them to identify with themselves and be strong in that. Um, And I wanted them to not feel like they have to go to the beat of somebody else's drum. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I knew, and, and, you know, call me crazy, you know, but like for my nine-year-old, he's just really, he's really busy. (laughs) He has a lot of energy. He's really busy. He's just, you know, he likes to stand when he reads, you know, he's, he's swaying at the dinner table when he's eating his food. Like he's just, that's just him. And I could foresee him having issues in school because once you get past first grade, that, that shit don't fly. You know what I'm saying? They want you to sit down. You need to sit down. You need to do this and you got to be, be in this uniform and he's very intelligent, but he just needs to learn in his own way. And I just didn't want I didn't want his intelligence to be hindered by following a rule book that isn't meant for everybody to follow. And so for him, and then like I said, just the, the twins too, I just was like, you know, I have the opportunity to, to do it. And um, I want them just to get the most out of learning who they are and being comfortable with who they are and um, finding their own way. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're setting them up already for, for that. Um, let me, when you speak to the parents that are that might be sort of inquisitive about um, homeschooling, mm-hmm. do you ever talk about some of the, the the tricks and traps that are laid for people that don't know the, the about these tricks and traps? 
Uh, do you talk about them about things like uh, the school to prison pipeline? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Um, being um, like we were kind of talking about before we got on, I worked in the school system for about eight years um, and I taught for three of those eight years. And just understanding and seeing how some of these kids were, um, they were just skipped over. They were skipped over. They weren't given the, the, the attention that they needed. Um, and then, you know, they do once, if you don't pass, if you're not, you know, able to read by the time you're second grade, or if you're not able to pass your I step in third grade, you've already on the path to, to prison. Like you're, you're already predetermined to go down this pathway. You're not going to graduate. These are the things that are going to happen if you aren't hitting these certain milestones by this certain age. Um, and again, it, it disproportionately affects black children. Um, and it disproportionately affects us because we, we aren't, I'm not going to get super deep in this, but you can get as deep as you want to get. This is the audacity. Black people people are just, we're very intelligent people Mm -hmm. and we are very talented and we're very just, um, we're good with our hands. We're mathematicians. We're all of these things. And from history till now we've been put into a system to make us fit into a box to learn it a certain way when we were already built with what we needed to be successful and i feel like um because we don't fit in their box all the time the way they want it to look then they this one we get written off and we you know we just are put into a situation where um, maybe I need a little bit of extra time to read this, but that doesn't mean I'm not smart mm-hmm. or maybe I need somebody to speak it to me versus me reading it. It doesn't mean that I'm any less smart than the next person. I just learn differently. Um, and so I, I, I do talk about that a lot. Um, and I'm very comfortable talking about that with anybody because I've had a lot of, um, white friends or people say, you know, you know, why are you homeschooling? I said, because I'm raising three black boys. Mm-hmm. And the system is not really built for my children to thrive in a way that I think they should. And, and, and I'm unapologetic about it because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then you have people say, well, it's good for everybody. Yeah, you will. And like I said, and I'm not, I'm not at the end of it all, I'm not knocking public education because I'm a public education, education kid. Like, and I think that, I think that, for the time that I went through school, I think it was, it was cool. It was good. I had a good experience. Um, did I learn a lot of shit that I don't need? Yes. <laughs> um, but, do I remember? Do I remember all of it? Absolutely not. You know, I remember the relationships I built though. And I remember being a part of a team, maybe playing sports. And I remember some of those key things, but and, I, and so when you start to talk to people in that manner, it, it sometimes starts to click like, man, you're right. Like, I don't remember my junior year, you know, algebra two class. I don't remember all that stuff. I don't use it. But what do you use? You use the skills to talk to people, to build relationships, to learn how to navigate difficult situations, um, those types of things. So, and I'm just like in homeschool, you get to do that all the time, <laughs> every day. That's a skill that you need to know. In homeschooling, you're able to actually, just like you said, teach them, teach kids what they need to know, like balancing your account, you know, credit, stuff that you actually going to use that we, uh, that we're exploited on because we don't know nothing about it. And that's, now this is a phrase where I can say almost everybody, uh, but some, some groups, they get the game a little, 
little quick, like, hey, this is what you do. And they get it. Yes. And they get hands-on experience. Yes. Yes. Um, and those are things that I'm teaching my boys already. They have stock accounts. And so we talk about what is the stock? What's in your account? What does that look like? They have say, you know, we look at their savings account. How do you save money? What is a check? Like we're very transparent with them in, you know, money matters and learning about finances and all those things, because a lot of times, especially in our community, that's kept secret. That's kept, you don't talk about it. You know, you don't learn about, but it's like, why not? They need to know they need to know what to do <laughs> and how to navigate it. Um, and you can break it down to their level. I'm not saying we talk about taxes and how to W nines and all that. You got to diversify but, your portfolio, son. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, we don't get that deep, but just high level, just to even have the nugget planted be like, Oh, mommy said I had, cause one time they were like, Oh mommy, what's my stock? You know, my stock portfolio. I was like, Oh yeah, let's open it up. Let's look at it. You know, they don't really understand the full concept, but the fact that they know that it's something that exists. So tell the listeners how much preparation one needs to have uh, to be successful at homeschooling. And in my mind, it will start, uh, the preparation will start before you even get pregnant. Uh, but even before, if you, the preparation before you get pregnant, mm-hmm. leading up to when the baby's like, all right, we here, we doing this. <laughs> Pop locking in your lap. Right, right. So... I'm such an educator, so I try not to overwhelm people. But when you give us the business, I know, right? When you're when you're pregnant, when you decide, okay, I'm pre- I'm pregnant, I'm gonna have you know a family, um, or whatever, things just happen. Um, it's understanding your options. That's what it really comes down to with everything. Understanding your options. When you get pregnant, you don't have to go to a hospital to give birth. Like you can have a home birth, you can go to a birth center, you can have a midwife, you don't have to have a physician. Like it all starts with understanding your options. And I think that's one of the things too, that sometimes gets missed is that homeschooling doesn't even seem like an option. You get pregnant, you have the kids, they go to daycare, they go to school, the end. And you, you, it's, it's understanding that from the beginning that you have other options. What does that look like for you? Now, I'm not saying it's going to be perfect and it's going to work. It may not, but at least understanding the options so you can make an informed choice is what's going to help you determine your path. So, you know, you, you prepare for the baby, you go through birthing education, you get your breastfeeding education in, you know, you do all those things. And then when you have the baby, it's okay, we've gone through this. What, what is it? What is the true, um, the true picture of the ultimate outcome I would like to see for my kids because you have to understand that your children are not you. So the path that you took will not necessarily be the path that's right for them. But overall, as a human being, what are some of the key things that you want them to be able to say, man, I'm really glad that I had X. And does that involve them going to public school or does that involve them being homeschooled or some type of way that, that, that may be different than what you're used to. And that that's the ultimate thing, like I was talking about earlier, is that I don't want my kids to feel like they have to follow somebody else's beat. I want them to be able to be strong in who they are and go by their beat. And yes, you're going to have to interact with other people and you're going to have to be able to, um, you know, overcome conflict. But if you are firm in who you are and what you stand for, 
um, you have a better chance of moving in the direction that's going to be best for you mm-hmm. and what's going to work for you. So that would be my biggest thing is just understanding what your options are and exploring all of them and then saying, okay, this is what I think could work. So if somebody wanted to, wanted to do exactly what you've done as far mm-hmm. as being the, the homeschooler, everything that you've done, could you list like maybe a few steps that they could do today to get the ball running. So it's like when I tell kids, I'm like, you know, uh, you need to work on creating a business, whatever that you're good at. Mm-hmm. And then most people just say that and then leave it alone. Whereas mm-hmm. you can be like, no, you go to the secretary of state, you get mm-hmm. you that you, you know, you apply for your LLC, you pay the fees, mm-hmm. you apply for your EIN number, you know, you mm-hmm. register your name, like actually giving step by step. So people can actually, like I said, get the ball started even if they don't follow through with it tonight, just so they can write down some notes on what they can do. If that's something that they wanted to um, activate in their lives. Yeah. So I would say um, one of the first things to do is write out your why, why do you, why do you want to homeschool? Mm -hmm. What's the motivation behind it? Um, That would be the first reason. (laughs) Um, The first step, the second step would be to, Um, then you try to find other people that are doing what you're doing. Um, if it's nobody immediately there that you can touch that's in your circle, then that utilize your internet, you know, get involved in some groups, find some groups. Almost everybody's on some type of social media platform. So Google something, get on Facebook, search those groups, try to find other people that are doing what you want to do, which is homeschool. So get connected in those groups. Um, because even I'm involved in some, in some groups, homeschool groups on, on Facebook. And there are people that I know that don't homeschool that are still in those groups just to, to glean information um, or to try to get some insight. So definitely connecting with people that you know who are doing what you want to do. Um, the third thing I would say is just to. Um, Your audio went out again. Primary, you know, income, but that, and so, you know, we're not traveling every few months for vacation. We're not doing a whole, you know, a whole lot of elaborate things, but I knew that going into it because it was more important for me to be home with my children, to give them the opportunity to learn in a way that would be good for them and give them a good, you know, a good foundation environment than for us to maybe do some other things. I'm not saying that we don't ever do it, but you just have to figure out if it works for your family or how you can make it work. So at one point in time, I was working a couple nights a week. So I was working a couple nights a week. So I had to make sure I had everything, you know, try to get things done. My husband would come home, I would go to work, you know, and then the next day we'd get up and do it all over again. So just making sure that it's going to work. Um, it can work for you in your, in your situation. Um, and the last thing I would say is just, you know, take your time and be patient with yourself because it's a process. Um, you never get to a point in homeschooling where you've got it all figured out. 
um, because things Neither are constantly changing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Neither do they. So don't put this person. I think some people feel like I've got to have it all figured out. I've got to be this perfect lesson planner. And it's like, just like you evolve, you know, throughout the months or the years, your children evolve. So don't feel like you've got to have this master plan, this grand plan of this is the curriculum we're going to use and we're going to do it this way. Because six months in, it may change and that's okay. You have to be willing to be flexible with it. So give yourself grace and patience and give your kids grace and patience. Okay. Um, so there's, there's also one thing that I would, uh, I remember talking to my nephew before he graduated high school. I think I started talking to him when he was like a freshman or sophomore. And one thing that I told him that it was important that if he was going to go to college, that right now it would really be imperative if he were to learn some type of trade that, that would give him an adult wage as he was in school. And the one thing that I told him was, because he had a barbering program at his high school, I said, go get into that program. Even if you go to college, that's cool, but you can pay for your college with this haircut money. You can buy yep. your clothes with this haircut money because you are you would be 18 in college making what 30 and 40 year old men make to uh sustain a family. He didn't do it for whatever uh for for his own reasons or whatever but um going forward like I, I and that's one thing that I wanted to do for the children that I have when I eventually have them is mm -hmm. teach them how to be self-sufficient so mm -hmm. that when it comes time if you make the decision where you want to go to higher learning we're not getting you uh, we're not going to get you ball and chain with these student loans. Mm -hmm. um, especially when you have all this ability and this talent and this know-how with whatever mm -hmm. it is that you, you're talented to doing. So do, do you find yourself that, well, let me ask this. Would you be like a sort of a consultant for homeschooling or, or are you? I don't know if I could be a consultant for it. I feel like I'm not... I'm not deep enough in the game. I mean, this is my third year. I guess I could. Um, I don't necessarily consult. I, I, just, I just try to give people what I had from my friend, which was, you know, try to give them some pointers on how to be patient, like, and how to just kind of take your time and just kind of, you know, whatever, because I, I feel like there is this huge push for college and you got to go, you got to get this degree. And I'm not teaching my kids that. like. If they, it's an option, like you were saying, if you want to go, then for sure go. But I want to make sure that they're sound in the life skills and stuff that matters. So if you find that you really like working with your hands or doing these certain things as you get older, you might not have to go to college for that. You know, like with computers, like once I figured out like, okay, I went and got this computer science degree, but then I went to this uh, technology school and got certified in these areas, like, I could have skipped four years, got certified in A plus network. Plus, you see what I'm saying? I, and made more money. Oh my gosh. And made more money, but I didn't know that. And so now that I'm <laughs> equipped with that information, no, you ain't got to go. If you want to do that. Oh, okay. All you got to do is go to this school, get certified in six, eight months, 10 months, even a year, you going to make the same, if not more money by doing this route. So, um, so yes. <laughs> I'm in the IT field too. And when I see the directors and the presidents, the vice presidents of these large institutions with high school uh, diplomas. Oh yeah. 
Like the life is just drained <laughs> out of me. You mean to tell me I spent five and a half years, three universities, uh, being damn near homeless, and I didn't need to? And as a matter of fact, you get those certificates and you end up spending way less. Way less. <laughs> I'm about to cry right now. <laughs> you hear, oh, it is a sore spot in my house. <laughs> like I want to break down in tears almost every time because I paid off my technical school like that. My student loans for my bachelor's degree, I it mm, it's not moving nowhere anytime soon. They're gonna and, be me up in the afterlife, like uh we need you to get back <laughs> here soon, uh, because you still owe a million dollars. <laughs> it's just, you know, but um yeah, and I think we just we just have to overall reframe that conversation with people. Is college can it be a useful tool? Yes, but what are you going for? Mm-hmm. Do I have to go there to to get to the ultimate goal? Most times you don't, unless you're highly specialized. If you're going to be a physician, a surgeon, um, you know, even an engineer, like those things that are kind of specialized, go. If you're just trying to bake or you want to be a marketing, like. you, you ain't really got to go and spend all this money on this degree. You can, you can find courses and things like that. And that's where the environment of the child comes in because Mm -hmm. I went to school when I went to school. Matter of fact, I set out a year of high school a year because I initially, I didn't want to go to college, but Mm -hmm. then I found myself working in in these warehouses and these uh, factories where the majority of the adults were crackheads or drunks. And I was like, I don't want to give the rest of my life to the factory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then uh, one of my friends showed me a college party on the VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I see a bunch of women. I need to be there. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's what took me. But I already knew that I wanted to be in one of two fields. And that was either healthcare or the technology field. For the sure. Re- the, the only reason why I didn't go into the healthcare field is because I cannot stand to see anybody else's blood. Mm-hmm. So that kind of okay, well, then you go on the technological route. And so yeah. when I see a bunch of kids going to college and they general studies, like they don't know what they want to be, that mm-hmm. shows that, and no disrespect to the parents, but you didn't pay attention to your kids. Mm-hmm. Because if you were in the child's life, if you were working hands-on, and, and, and not to say that they weren't in the lives, but I'm talking about doing that temperature check. Hey, I see you like doing this. Would you, mm-hmm. th- you, you got to really take the wheel parents and stop letting yeah. these kids have the wheel. Cause if you just putting all these distractions in their face, then you say, all right, so what you want to do? Oh no. Well, it's go time now, champ. You got to pay some bills. <laughs> exactly. You are a full grown adult. You eating up yeah. all the, the snacks. Oh, see, and I ain't got time. Cause there's six people over here. And we ain't about to eat up all the snacks. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, I'm from eating around here. You ain't contributing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so tell me some there in Indianapolis, are you familiar with any um or the the, the organizations that you are connected with? Uh mm-hmm. could you give uh their information for the listeners? Yeah, for homeschooling? Yes. Yeah, so the co-op we are involved um with is Abu Bakari, um scholars, A B U B A K A R I. Abu Bakari scholars um, and Abu Bakari was a famous um, explorer um, which is who 
the the co-op well the foundation is named after so it's a foundation and co-op is an, is an aspect of the foundation mm-hmm. um and so that's who we are involved with um here in indianapolis um black world schoolers so um natalie pipkin shout out to natalie pipkin of black world schoolers she's here local in indianapolis um she does a lot with trying to connect black families um and getting them together um for different you know just kind of getting together and talking about different things or doing different activities. She also does a lot of traveling with her kids and family and she shares about what they do and what they learn. So she's awesome to follow on Instagram, um, black world schoolers, um, holistic learning at home is another Instagram page to follow. So that is my good friends, um, who got me, um, started on my homeschool journey and she, created like a homeschool um, kit, but it's very holistic. So she, again, a lot of um, learning about your kids, what do they like to do? And so it's just a small kit that you can just kind of go through and evaluate um, things together with your kids and really learn them for who they are to help with um, your homeschooling journey. So that's holistic learning at home on Instagram. Um, what else? So a lot of Indiana is actually a good place to homeschool. Um, it's very liberal in their homeschooling rules. So there's not like any curriculum requirement um, or anything like that. You are free to kind of teach your child how you want. Um, the only requirement is to school for 180 days. But again, your homeschool can look like whatever you want. But um, the Children's Museum, um, the Indiana State Museum or New Fields now, the art centers, a lot of places have homeschool programs. Um, and they have home, um, the Children's Museum in particular has homeschool curriculum online. So you can print off things or try to, to borrow some activities that they have. So there's, there's tons to do here in the city um, to get your kid involved um, and, to, and to keep them active. Okay. Uh, listeners, you can type your questions into the comments because we're about to go to the Q&A. Uh, so tell me, what, what is the ultimate goal for uh, for your version of homeschooling, like even after your children have graduated and moved on, do you still want to sort of participate in that or you're going to be like, I'm done? No, I would love to be like, kind of like you were saying, consultative for people and just kind of help people on their journey and getting started. Um, because I know how I was, um, I was like, I can't do that. I'm not, I don't understand. I can't, or I can't afford it. We kind of touched on that earlier. And so again, it's just learning what homeschool actually is. Um, So again, just being an educator, I just want to help people on their journey and getting started. So I would definitely um, want to help and just, you know, making homeschool um, a more viable option for people and making it more accessible for people. Um, but just like with a lot of things, just bring it to the forefront to educate people on what it actually is and what it can look like, um, instead of this kind of standard definition of what people have perceived it to be. So, um, as far as the curriculum, do you Mm -hmm. still have to follow, do you still have to take the same tests that the Mm -hmm. public school students have? Nope. Nope. Huh. And that was another big plus. Um, one of the reasons why, too, is that I just feel like there's a lot of anxiety that gets created around these tests that aren't, um, that again, it's just not conducive for every kid. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that's on the test, like, it's just, I don't, I just, it's just a lot. 
And so, no, you, um, now if they were ever able to, if they were ever in a position where they were going back to school, then they would have to take whatever necessary test at that point. Um, but no, while they're in school, they're not required to take the ECA or I-STEP plus or, you know, it changes every year. So whatever it is at that point. So how do they graduate? Um, so I haven't got that far yet. I've looked at it, but, um, you can um, you can test out. So at 16, you're able to take the high school equivalency um, exam, the HSE. And so you could always just take that HSE and graduate that way um, and be done with high school. Um, you can, um, I think it's you partnering with um, your local high school. So some there are times where you can go and take classes there um, at your high school or seeing what their pro what what type of relationship um, does that township have with the homeschool community to where would they allow your child to go through this through the process of homeschooling um, if you have certain records that have been kept. Um, but I haven't really gotten too deep in it um, since my boys are kind of young. Okay. So is it a possibility or have you witnessed where homeschooled students graduate faster for sure how fast yeah um i've seen i mean students who graduate when they're 13 um 14 um because they're just they're zipping through they're zipping through the curriculum i mean they're they're just learning things super fast they understand it um and they're able to graduate from high school and in, in their early teens so if they graduate from high school early Mm -hmm. and they're uh, absorbing all this information and they're actually retaining it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I think it's safe to assume that they can go into college and, 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 and test out of those prerequisites mm -hmm. and potentially graduate from college quicker too, right? Absolutely. And colleges, um, I did, like I said, I've, I've done a little bit of research on that higher level education, but colleges are actually looking more for homeschool students and they actually prefer homeschool students, one, because they have a better retention rate um, and two, because they're able to interact with their professors and they're able to, you know, they're, they're just um, better students overall, typically, um, when they come from a homeschool environment. So even the Ivy League schools like a Stanford and a Yale um, and IU, these places have um, homeschool applications. So if you're, it says if you're a homeschool student, they typically take you through like a little bit of a separate application process. But they are looking for those students because those students know how to learn. They know how to think for themselves. They know how to think outside of the box. And they are more likely to have better retention rates. So let me get this straight. <laughs> because here's the thing. I've been promoting homeschooling for mm -hmm. the longest, just based off of my own interactions mm -hmm. uh, and, the, the, and the studying that I've been doing. Mm -hmm. And I would advocate on Facebook. I would do that, especially when I worked in the school systems. And you, I don't know if you would be surprised, but people, y'all would be surprised on how much pushback I got. And it just wasn't regular, like, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, you would have thought I talked about somebody's mama. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, when I hear people that have children say, man, my life has changed. This little person is so precious. And when you when you speak about children at such a high magnitude like you, you would give your life for them. Mm -hmm. Why would homeschooling be a problem if you graduate high school quicker, graduate mm -hmm. college quicker, 
retain information longer. And colleges are looking for those who have graduated or, or went through homeschooling because of all these other attributes. Why is it that we fight that? It's intimidating. It's intimidating. It's against the norm. So I always say, me and my friend always say, like, we're little black sheep because we're vegan and we homeschool and we're black. So, like, we have all these things. We're black vegan homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's very intimidating. It's not what we're used to. It's not norm, right? It's not spoken about. You don't see a lot of people. A lot of black people who are vegan. Um, you don't see a lot of black people who are homeschooling. You don't see. It's not something that's really um, talked about. At least here in the Midwest. Um, now, you know, in the South and some different states, like that's kind of a big thing. Um, but if we're just talking specifically about here in Indiana, you don't you don't really see it. And so if you don't see it, and that's not how you grew up, and that wasn't your normal then again, it is just, it's odd. It's intimidating. And because we think of homeschooling as school, it's extremely intimidating for me to think that I have to sit and teach my child for seven hours a day or to keep them entertained or do this. And, and I, I, you know, I just couldn't be capable of doing that. And it's like, but you birthed these little people, you know what I'm saying? And, and you're their first teacher, but I think some, we lose sight of that once they go to school is that, okay, I taught you this little bit. Now you go learn from somebody else, which again, I'm not saying it's, is, is bad, but you have to think like you have some faith in yourself that you're able to do this. Um, You birthed this little person, you know, it's, and you just have to, you just have to, Yeah have faith in yourself and not, and not let it um, intimidate you out of doing it. So we have a question from a Chandra Jean. She asks, is there a formal process that a family has to go through if they decide to transition from a traditional school system to a homeschool system? Yes. So, well, it's formal, but it's not. So you go to the um, Indiana department of education, for instance, and you go to like their homeschool tab and you basically feel like fill out like a demographic short like application. And it says, you know, it'll ask you what township are you coming from? It'll ask your children and their ages. And once it's processed, they send you a homeschool ID. And that's pretty much it. Um, You can notify the school or the school will be notified because you've registered through the system. but that's that's pretty much what it is. It's not that's that's about it. <laughs> I thought it was more involved than that, but it and, and again in Indiana, I don't other places have different rules, but here that that's pretty much it. See, and this is uh, one of the reasons why I was really uh, excited about bringing you on is because we've been able to dispel so many, so many misconceptions. Mm-hmm. There's at this particular point for the people that are watching and listening there's no real reason i mean (laughs) i don't i don't know what y'all got going on but i know for myself like that is something that um it's like part so i in my mind as an adult that used to be a a child Mm -hmm. and i see it the thing i see the things that 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 were voided in my life just based off of either resources or, or the information I already know in my mind, in my mind, I already have a plan set for a plan set for the possibility of having children when I do like, and it, it, you might, I might not execute it in a perfect, uh, a perfect way, 
but I already have a plan. Whereas most of the people I know, they just, yeah, we having a baby and it pops out. And then you just roll with the punches instead of uh, rolling with the blueprint that you've already created. That exactly. But it's and simple. it's okay. Yeah. And it's okay. I think, I think again, sometimes when you do things differently, it's, you don't want to be outcasted. So you have to be firm in your reasons of why you want to do it and know that it's okay. And you might be alone for a little bit until you kind of find your village and find those people, but that's okay because it's for the greater good of, of, of what you want for your kids and what you want for your family. So it's okay to be, to be different. It's okay to do things different. Um, and we, it's just, you know, that's hard. That's hard for a lot of people. So Keisha Williams has a question. She says, how does homeschooling affect extracurricular opportunities? She mm -hmm. says, my nephews are athletes and would, would still want to play also musicians and bands. So how does that work with uh, students that want to do extracurricular activities, but they are homeschooled? Sure. So in most cases, um, they can still participate in those extracurricular activities. It's just a matter of contacting the school. They can still try out for for sports teams um, and still be eligible to make the cut. Um, I know, like I said, once you get to high school, they want you enrolled in at least one class. Um, so, you know, if it's a math class, typically, you know, you can enroll in that math class or that science class. But those are things that you can still be involved with. Um, for sure with the school it's just a matter of contacting them um two of my sons were in speech class um and so um they were still taking speech this past year even though we were homeschooling because those services are still available to us because we live in the township so you it's a it's just a matter of contacting the the, the school or the the potential township that they're in um just to just to double check but on the on the uh, Indiana Department of Education website, it's, it will spell it out for you that, you know, they have to be involved in, enrolled in at least one class and, you know, they should still be able to give a, a fair chance to try out to do um, those extracurricular activities. I wonder how prevalent that is. I don't know. I know a couple people um, that are older than me that said, yeah, I remember a couple people I played football with that were homeschooled. Um, so it's been around for a while. Again, it's just that something that's not common. And I think people, you know, again, some people just don't know. And so they don't figure that it's an option. So they figure, well, they just need to go to school in order to have these opportunities. And then with sports too, you've got to think sports are so much bigger than playing at school, even though it's awesome to play at school, right? Because you're kind of around some people, but all the, there's club teams, there's so, so many other ways to get exposure, especially if you're thinking like, I really want to play this sport in college, mm -hmm. you're going to get a little bit more exposure when you're playing and traveling places on these club teams, than you might get just playing at your local high school. So again, you just have to be open to the whole concept of it. So wait a minute. Just <laughs> open up. Some, so basically what you're telling me is you don't need public schools. I mean, depend on what you're doing. You really you, don't. You just explained to me. Let me go back through my notes so I make sure I got this <laughs> right. Okay. You graduate quicker from mm -hmm. high school. You graduate quicker from college. You retain information longer. The colleges are looking at you, but even if you wanted to be a professional NBA player, it would be better for you to get with these group teams. That way you're traveling. Because I know that the scouts are going to be at 
the mm-hmm. AA games and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be at the high school games too, but you really have to be like a really exceptional player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you want to be the best, you have to play with the best. And the best, from from my knowledge, from just the friends of, of mine that, that play sports and that are intertwined into sports and their kids are, it mm-hmm. is with those teams that travel. Because you're getting tons of exposure. You're in environments that you're not going to get exposed to being in Indianapolis. Like, there's only so much you can do here in Indianapolis. But if I'm traveling to Louisville and if I'm traveling to Florida and if I'm traveling to Texas and if I'm traveling here, you know, Cincinnati, you know, I'm going to all these different places. I'm seeing these different players, different coaches. You know, I remember playing volleyball. Um, and even my daughter when she played and just being other places, other coaches coming up to you being like, Hey, you know, that, you know, I saw how you played earlier, you know, like I would have never met that person, you know, playing at my high school team because they're not in my state. So you're getting so many other, um, ways to be exposed to various opportunities that you're not going to get. Oh my God. My mind has been blown. (laughs) My mind has been blown today. <laughs> Who want to make a baby with Jamil Harley? No, I'm just. You playing. know what? Goodbye, Stop sir. It. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> Stop it. Um, but hey, um, we're gonna wrap this up. I'm sorry I held you for so long. This has been a really okay. great information. Let the listeners know how they can get in contact with you on your social medias. Yeah, for sure. So I um. If you're more interested in homeschool life, um, it's actually on my personal page. So if you're going to request me as a friend on my personal page, can you just send me like a note? Because people have all these different names and I don't know who they are. And it's Ambrielle. So my first name, Ambrielle Chantel, C-H-A-N-T-E-L, Ambrielle Chantel. Um, and that's where I post a lot about my homeschool journey. Um, if you're wanting to know more about veganism or plant-based recipes um, mixed in with a little bit of homeschooling, then that's Black Mama Vegan. Um, on Instagram, it's Black underscore Mama, M-A-M-A Vegan. And then on Facebook, it's Black Mama Vegan. But my Instagram feeds right through to my Facebook, so you're going to catch most of everything that I post. And then if you're interested, I got a whole lot going on. If you're interested in learning more about Black maternal health, breastfeeding, um, family planning, those types of things, then you're going to catch me at Holistic Lactation Care. So I wear lots of different hats. And that's great. That's a good thing. Uh, but um, we're going we're gonna to sign off right here. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me and my listeners because this has been a very informative interview. And for sure. I'm going to go back through and rewind this and take notes for <laughs> when I have a baby at 75. And I'm you know it. what? I, I ain't going to be able to help you. I ain't going to be able to help you. Well, I want to thank you again for joining and thank uh, all my listeners and everybody that has joined in on this live. This is Jamil Harley and the Audacity Show, and we were live with Amriel Lastly. The Audacity Audacity. 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 Audacity.